Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of the PwC Tax Byte podcast series. My name is Peter de Ree, Global Tax Director at PwC Brussels, and I welcome you to this new episode. Before we start with the episode, I want to invite you all to subscribe to this podcast series via Apple, Spotify, Google, or the PwC website, so you will automatically get all the new updates of this episode. In this episode, we will talk about green green investments, green funding. It is a topic that comes up when I talk with various businesses, um, also with the pandemic situation we are still into today, but with the outlook of recovering from the pandemic, and companies are looking into investments to recover. And some of these investments can be green ecological investments or socially friendly investments. And I thought it was a good idea to have a discussion on this topic with real experts in the field. And with me today, three real experts. We have Ivan Peters. Ivan is a partner in PwC Legal eh, or affiliated law firm of PwC. And he is responsible for capital markets and finance, both on the funding and the investment side. Next to Ivan, we have Reinoud de Klerk. Reinoud uh, is an expert in ESG uh, and responsible investments. Um, he's basically the practice leader for this in Belgium. And Emilie Etundi is here with us. Emilie is a manager in our government incentives team. Her role is to support companies to secure funding to support their activities. So I think we have the right people in the call. And um, we have a very interesting topic to talk about. Eh? So um, as I already explained, well, the ecological challenges are, of course, enormous. We had an, uh, a pandemic, we have a sanitary crisis, but with a sanitary crisis, um, yeah, still ongoing, but with a light at the end of the tunnel, a lot of businesses I talk with are thinking of how to recover from this pandemic and how to invest to recover from the pandemic. In the meantime, some very important challenges have been put on the table. Europe wants to be climate neutral by 2050, huge, huge challenge. So let's um, let's start with that, perhaps, and talk about a little bit um, the broader picture. And and my first question is for you, uh, Reinout. Eh? Um, can you share a little bit with the listeners uh, how you look at these developments, the Green Deal? Is this really a topic which is on the agenda of business? Thanks a lot for the question, Peter. It is absolutely on the agenda of uh, of our clients, and uh, it's also logic that is part of their agenda because at the end uh europe wants to become the first carbon neutral uh continent by 2050 but by 2030 which is not so long anymore uh it wants to decrease the greenhouse gas emissions by 55 percent so if you look at this number 55 percent it basically means that you will need huge investments and a huge uh amount of capital to fund this transition to a low carbon economy, to fund uh, meeting the target of minus 55%. Um, the European Union, European Commission also has taken some first steps to make uh, this funding possible and to make the reorientation of capital possible. And that's basically by developing the EU taxonomy. So the taxonomy regulation, it basically aims at providing investors with standardized definitions to help them evaluate whether or not their investments are creating an uh, environmental impact, if they are indeed reducing emissions. 
So uh, the taxonomy is, in my opinion, only the first part of a huge regulatory wave which aims at uh, reor reorienting this capital. Okay, thanks, Reynard, for um, for putting that broader picture. And I think that um, uh, Europe indeed not only is putting challenges on the table and 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 trying to come up with some regulations, also in the tax atmosphere. Eh, and the listeners will know that that a lot is done about uh, green taxes eh, and and uh, border adjustment taxes. It's not the topic for today. Eh? We're we're more going to talk about the investments, but it's clear that also from a tax perspective, um, a lot will happen. Um, but now also. An interesting question that I receive uh, when, when speaking with businesses is, well, um, yeah, we will have to play our role as a business to realize these objectives in Europe of um, carbon uh, emission uh, reduction. Um, when you talk about investments, you also talk about financing. Uh, and Ivan, it's great to have you here uh, because it would be really interesting to, to have your view on what are the typical challenges that companies are facing when they are introducing green financing and green investments? Thank you, Peter. Happy to uh, help clarify that. First of all, I would like to confirm that uh, what Renaud was saying, uh, the, the, the size of the challenge, it's indeed huge. And that's also what we are already seeing in the market. We already see in the market that massive amounts of funds already from lenders and investors are shifting towards uh, financing of green projects. And that uh, follows uh, suit uh, with the regulatory developments that uh, Renaud uh, uh, announced. Uh, regulators, legislators, uh, asset managers, investors are pushing uh, funds uh, towards green uh, financing and green uh, projects. And that means for uh, undertakings that uh, still have to go some way in, in terms of uh, moving towards sustainability and to, to, to green activities that you have to uh, urgently get going in making sure that you qualify for those funds that are willing to be invested in green uh, green projects. Yeah. And the de development is pretty extreme if you see that in the last couple of weeks, a number of lawsuits have been commenced against central banks because they're uh, including the ecb uh, because they with their funding they were still uh, making funds available for non-sustainable activities and non-sustainable projects so this movement is going on and each company has to make sure that they don't miss out on the opportunities of uh, of that development in order not to miss out on those opportunities uh, uh, I'll, I'll quickly discuss the key elements of uh, a very typical form of green financing, the green bond, a very popular product and a key part of this part of the capital markets. We typically see that there are three steps you need to take as a company. The first one is to develop a green bond framework. That's the key part and I'll, I'll go into detail on that. The second step is that you need to find a third party, an independent specialized party that will review your green bond framework to see whether that framework indeed allows you to be green in your activities and funding. And then the third step is more technical, is really uh, putting the actual bond in place and selling it to, uh, to investors. The first uh, step key is the green finance or the green bond uh, framework that the company needs to put in place. And that is really a set of a description of policies and governance rules that support uh, that, uh, the, uh, that you have everything in place to really uh, make a, a green bond. Uh, and most importantly, that means that 
you need to make sure that the proceeds of the bonds will be used for real green activities and projects. It's not a, a situation of greenwashing. This is a reality. And that such a framework typically comprises, uh, again, four uh, elements. One is that you describe what you're going to do with the proceeds of the bonds, so the money you get from uh, investors, and show that these will go into green projects. Yeah? And that in the framework, you describe how you are going to select the projects to make sure that, again, the projects you select and the activities you develop and select, that that are actually green projects. Um, a key element, in addition to just managing, describing how you manage that entire process, is the reporting. Uh, typically, you see that for green bonds and for these frameworks, uh, companies provide for an annual reporting, annual reporting to show, okay, how did we put the money in which projects, and also report on the environmental impact of such uh, investments. Uh, that's really showing to your investors how you're doing with uh, the green bond. How to determine what which project is green or not, huh? then uh, the capital markets have already uh, developed quite some years ago uh, the what we call the green bond principles. That's really players in the market that set uh, a number of standards uh, uh, through their professional organizations. And these have been used quite often. Of course, now for the future, we will be looking to the EU regulations, uh, the EU Green Bond Standard, which includes the taxonomy, Reinhardt uh, referred to, which is much more detailed, it's much more official, uh, and it will also be broader in the, in the sense that it will focus more on activities rather than on projects. So that will be the standard uh, for the future. The second key element of the process is that you find uh, somebody to give what we call a, a second party opinion, really looking at the green bond framework that the company has, has created and to assess whether the green, that framework allows you to invest in projects and activities that we can truly qualify as green. And in the future, uh, we will, for that exercise, be looking at the EU uh, taxonomy. And this will result in what they call really an opinion document where the independent advisor will say, well, I've reviewed it, I've checked it against the criteria, and uh, I believe that this meets uh, the standard. And that piece of information will also be very important when you uh, go to the third phase, creating the bonds, writing a prospectus for investors, in which you will describe in the alia uh, how the green uh, uh, bond framework uh, works the details of that and also the opinion that you've you've gotten you will show to investors that somebody has given a rubber stamp to say okay if you follow these rules these will be actually green projects and therefore green bonds something to uh, keep in mind certainly from an investor's point of view those opinions uh, and the fact that you have a, a green bond framework does not mean that if ever the company would not respect those rules, that that would be an event of default for the bonds. It doesn't allow the investor to just simply say, ah, you didn't respect the rules, I want my money back. No, this is an indicative uh, framework and it is, will be essential for the company to stick to it. Uh, but uh, we don't want uh, problems with, with the framework to trigger uh, financial problems for the company or for the, for the investors. And this may sound uh, a little bit uncertain. It, this is the way the market works and it works very well. 
thank you, Ivan, um, for clarifying that. And and it it reconciles with what I hear when when talking with businesses. So the the growing importance of showing your pathway to become more green to your investors than the opportunity indeed to get um, to get financing um, uh, for that uh, all kinds of investments. Um, Ivan, a, a little follow up question. Um, what is the the main impact that that you see um, for for businesses of making the green investments? Is that is that really towards investors, or is that a real opportunity for financing? What what is the main driver you you see in practice? Yeah, well, it's a combination of the two. Huh? Uh, I, I think the, the the most important message is that it's not just an option. Huh? Uh, perhaps first of all, I will say. It's not the case, you don't have to do green financing because it's necessarily always cheaper. That's not the case. You, you do uh, green financing because of your own strategic objectives, but also because the market is leaving you less and less choice. We see massive amounts of money and massive amounts of investors, certainly asset managers, pension funds, who are already today saying, we have a clear preference for green financing and it, we will get to a stage where it will become difficult to find financing investment for projects that are not green. In the US, we already see the first litigations of non-green industries uh, starting litigations against banks because the banks no longer want to lend to activities that are not sufficiently sustainable. Huh? So it's not purely an option. It should be an option to, to, to support the, the green objectives, but you have to be aware that more and more, you will no longer have the choice. You will have to be part of it to have comfortable funding in the future. Okay, thank, thank you very much, Ivan. Um, and yeah, I imagine listeners that are wondering how to realize green investments and how to build a business case for that are also wondering, um, well, are there any incentives uh, available for, for this uh, kind of in investments? And I think, Emily, it would be great if you could share with the listeners a little bit your view on that. Eh? I think there are various uh, local tax cash incentives available uh, um, can you can you explain that a little bit for the audience uh, yes indeed peter there are lots of uh, tax and cash incentives that are available both at member state or local level but also uh, directly coming from the european commission uh, those incentives are of two kind we can say uh, the first kinds are incentive that supports uh, green investment uh, of private companies in all sectors that that want to to invest uh, to make in green uh, investment. For instance, that that want to um, green their uh, processes uh, to use uh, renewable energy sources for their processes. Uh, for those incentives, uh, for instance, in Belgium, we find uh, each region has, uh, has specific programs. For instance, in Wallonia, we have what we call Aide à l'investissement uh, en matière d'énergie renouvelable et protection de l'environnement. There is for Flanders the Ecologie uh, Prémie, but Belgium also offers a tax deduction for energy efficiency investment. So that's for the first kind of incentive. The second kind of incentives covers uh, direct support to companies that are actually developing uh, innovative low carbon technologies 
processes and products. So there we find uh, companies that are active in circular economy, clean energy production, uh, green chemistry, uh, so on and so forth. So for those companies, there are incentives that directly cover the RDI activities. Um, so there are various mechanism calls uh, for projects that are directly available uh, at a local scale. But the, the commission as well has uh, different programs that to, to support the development of low carbon technology. I think we can cite uh, Horizon Europe, which is the, the main program, the framework program funding uh, research development and innovation activities within Europe. Uh, it has started uh, this year. It's going to, to finish in, in 20, um, uh, 27, sorry. And um, almost more than 30% of the budget is dedicated to climate actions. So it's, it's really going to fund a climate neutral uh, innovation. There is as well the Innovation Fund, which is another program which uh, will support uh, investment that are related to, to the commercial demonstration of innovative, first of a kind, low carbon technology uh, in different um, area. So the focus is on energy intensive industries like uh, chemical companies, uh, steel producers, on, on carbon capture and usage and on renewable energy and storage. And the last uh, programs really focusing on, on R&D is the LIFE program, which aims at uh, supporting the demonstration of eco-innovative techniques and approach uh, with a focus on climate action, circular economy, uh, clean energy, and nature and biodiversity. Uh, Maybe I can also add that uh, within the framework of the EU Green Deal, uh, there is a whole um, investment plan that is that has been set up by the Commission with um, instruments that are going to support the, the implementation of the Green Deal policy and therefore uh, support sustainable investment in Europe. Uh, the, the first instrument is InvestEU, which is a special fund that is going to, to provide uh, guarantees in order to, to cover the investment risk uh, that are linked to a super innovative and high risk sustainable uh, investment, um, sustainable projects. Uh, the the EIB, so the, the European Investment Bank, is also going uh, to play a major role uh, in the in the implementation of the EU Green uh, Green Deal policy by uh, providing a financial instrument to support uh, European companies in their uh, green investment. And finally, some regions uh, that are considered as um, let's say, uh, lagging a bit behind when it comes to sustainable transition because they rely a lot on, on fossil fuel, for instance. They are going to get extra fund coming from the just transition mechanism so that they can provide grants uh, or other instruments directly to the private companies that are 
uh, located within those regions to uh, support the green transition. Thank you, Emily. Uh, clearly, there is a lot of funding on the table as well, which is, of course, a very interesting uh, point. If you are, um, as a listener, building a business case around green investments, you know how you will communicate with your investors, you have thought about your funding, well, then it's also important to look into incentives. Uh, it can create uh, a real leverage, I think, on, on the investment potential and give the additional push that sometimes is needed to make a project um, uh, with a positive return on investments. Um, Emily, perhaps in, in, in a few words, can you share with the listeners also typically how, in your experience, companies are approaching these incentives, how they are dealing with that? Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, I'd say that first, it's important that they, they anticipate as uh, for most cash incentives, actually, there are deadlines, a whole process to follow, which can, uh, which needs to be uh, started before the actual investment or before the actual uh, activities. Um, it's important to take into account uh, this incentive characteristic uh, of those. So uh, the, the way uh, it's usually done is uh, first to screen what is available and to, to investigate the, the eligibility, uh, which uh, is often linked to the size of the company, to the specific uh, investment or activities that are going to be made, um, to also assess the possible returns, because again, the size of the company, the location of the activities will also influence the, um, the funding rate and the, the, the return. And based on all those elements, then it's a matter of, well, optimizing how to best combine those, those incentives uh, and, and, and also uh, reflect on how to build a, a strong case and be appealing to the funding authorities based on the, the, the overall member states of commission um, strategy. Uh, but yeah, I would say that the, the timing is key and the anticipation is key as well thanks emily for uh, sharing that with the uh, with the audience that's very interesting on on how to approach these incentives uh, and so on um that brings us to the end of the podcast that's basically what we had time for today um but perhaps before we close the podcast um, i'm interested um to ask you a final question reynaud we have focused a lot on the E of the ESG agenda, um, but I'm sure um, there is a broader picture as well. Um, any final words for the audience on this from your side? Yes, of course, Peter. So, so as you said, you should not only look at in the E of ESG, but at all domains of uh, ESG. And I think that, for example, the the IPO of delivery Deliveroo has uh, perfectly shown and demonstrated that also uh, all domains are important. So in the case of the Liveroo, it was the S of ESG, which caused some issues with the IPO. Um, also, when we assist our clients, for example, our private equity clients, uh, they look at all domains of ESG and they look at it from a, from a value protection and creation perspective. Uh, which domains of E, S and G can basically destroy value so that's more on the risk side, but also which domains of E as in G can create value. 
which is basically the opportunity side of ESG. So whether you are an investor or a company, you should basically try to identify which ESG domains are fundamental and key for the wider business strategy and process and which can enhance or destroy uh, value. Thank you very much, Reynaud. And with that, we come to the end of this podcast. Um, I think it was uh, very interesting to see how I think all of the uh, listeners to this podcast one day will get the question, what can we do to um, invest in more green solutions and, and what kind of incentives are available and, and how can you organize funding? So I think uh, hopefully this podcast was a first step in, in, in explaining the, the direction you could take here. Um, thank you, um, Ivan, Reynaud, Emily, for sharing your thoughts. I'm sure if the audience have more questions on this topic um, they can read more about it on our website or contact you uh, for any follow-up questions um, for the audience i thank you for joining and i invite you also to subscribe to this podcast on apple spotify google or the pwc website thank you 